This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Jesus was upstairs at this time talking to 12 disciples in the beginning at the Passover meal. 11 of them were abiding. One was not and would not be there. In fact, would go away and bring those who would arrest Christ. They actually be on the other side opposing Christ. Looked like one, but wasn't one. A distinguishing mark of a true believer or a true disciple is that they continue. That's the idea of abiding. Not all perfectly. There are seasons of not much fruit or not much fruitfulness, but they're always abiding. So how can we discern when others or even ourselves are truly following Christ and not just playing the game? Well, today, Pastor Troy will unpack Jesus' teaching on the subject and provide some examples to help us understand what it means to abide. We know that only God can judge man's heart. It's not our responsibility to determine the state of others, but we can be faithful to abide in Jesus daily, spend time in His Word, talk with Him in prayer, and listen to what He wants to say. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 15 as he continues his message, Bearing Fruit Naturally. Now let's consider three tools God uses to prune us. One, obviously, is Scripture. Verse 3, Jesus said, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You know how it works. Sometimes you read the word and it soothes. Sometimes you read the word and it's like, yeah, I'm on the same page. But then you read the word and, and it's like there's conviction. I'd have to read that today. Oh, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. And it doesn't matter where you turn the scripture. You know, I wish I, if I'd have just read Deuteronomy or something. It doesn't matter because the Lord wants to speak to you and he has something to say. And that's why Hebrews says, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. You'll do yourself well if you're in it. Reading, letting the vine dresser dress the vine. Two, another way he prunes is uh, suffering. Suffering has a way of getting your attention. It helps you to reevaluate life and what's important, to let go of the many things in order to focus on what's important. Uh, Sometimes we're holding on and, and we want all of it. And so we work hard to hold on to all of it or all of them. And the Lord's saying, ah, this isn't gonna work. And so he's pruning, and finally the suffering comes. Okay, just just these three things then. At least just these three things, Lord. That's it. It's like "Ah, that's still not gonna work. He wants us to let go of everything. And then he says, now, now we can produce some fruit naturally. See, everything you're holding on to, you're holding on to. 
you're trying to make things happen and you're trying to prove to everyone there's fruitfulness or, or this is from the Lord and it's not. So I need you to let go of everything and suffering can often bring us to that place where we're willing to let go of everything, even our own life if necessary. David wrote in Psalm 119 verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You know, as you age, there seem to be a lot more sufferings, naturally. (laughs) It keeps us from getting too attached to this world. It helps us to realize this is not my home. This isn't where I'm supposed to be anchoring. You know, when I was at the top of my game and winning the trophies and running and, and young, you know, it's hard for the youth to think about heaven. I'm now, Lord. I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. But for the aging saint with their wisdom and years of service, realizing getting to the top just means you're ready to go back down to the bottom, we start going, Lord, I'm about done with this cycle. Ready for heaven. We start to realize this is not our home. These aches and these pains. You know, when you're younger, you get an ache and pain. You go, man, I can't. How do I work this out? I can't wait till this is over. But there comes a time in your life, you, you get a pain. You go, I wonder if this is the new normal. There's a time period in there. Some you recover from. Others you're like, yeah, it's the new normal. And you realize, man, Lord, one day, suffering, we need it. Now, Let's move on from that one to number three. So scripture, suffering, and bad news for you. The third one is also suffering. <laughs> suffering type two. We could call those consequences. See, the first suffering is a natural, just we're in a sin-fallen world and, and hard-trying tr- things happen. But then there are consequences. Anyone ever got a spanking? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hands. No need embarrassing anyone. I look back. And I can say that those spankings that I hated at the time were for my good, and I'm glad I got them. I learned some valuable things because I feared the spanking. We've all seen the undisciplined child, haven't we? Seems like more nowadays without spanking. You know, when they removed Bible from the schools, prayer from the schools, we saw the schools. And I'm going to tell you, when we removed spanking from our resources... (laughs) As parents, we've seen a mess. Firm discipline when firm discipline is necessary. Not just words or not just silence in the form of a timeout. But discipline. Not anger, rage, throwing a tantrum, swinging wildly. That is not discipline. That's someone who themselves needs discipline. That's not discipline. But I mean controlled, precise, targeted Here's what you did. Here was the consequence. Discipline. It's gone. And with it, we see a rise in undisciplined children. Have you seen one yet? Oh, they're out there. In public. Parents don't even hide them anymore. (laughs) They're out there in public. Their parents are there. The kid throws a fit. The parents won't discipline them right then and there. They try to appease them with something. And the child knows it. And though the child may like this thing, That's not the point for the child right now. It's the argument. And so they'll throw it down even though they wanted that thing. That's not the point. Right now, it's who's going to win. The child knows that. Uh, Trust me. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Don't think, well, they're just sweet. I don't know where that came from. No, that's them. 
It says, you leave them to themselves, they're going to grow up murderous, adulterous, with no sense of law. They're going to be selfish and self-centered. You've got to learn, hey, consider others. Hey, think about others in this. They have to be taught that. And set an example. So you see them act up in the store, and what, are, what, are they, what do you think? Well, probably. You think, that child needs some discipline. Not only that, but you see it as a, one of those opportunities, a teaching moment if you have children. I've done this. You go to your children, they're younger, and my children are older now, but you go, did you see that? Now, that's exactly why we discipline you, so that you're not in public doing that. Do you want to look like that? Because that's what, remember, remember the other day? That's what you looked like. Do you like that? Uh-uh. And so it's a good teaching moment. Thank you for the undisciplined child out there. However, we need to discipline our children because God disciplines us. And they need to be used to it. That it's not because they hate you. It's because they love you. And they don't want to be embarrassed because of you. They want to be proud because of you. They want to be proud of you. And they will always be proud of you. You know, your Father in Heaven loves you. It's not like, oh, I hate this child. He loves you. He's proud of you. But there are some things quite embarrassing that don't represent him well. So when we make bad decisions, God disciplines. And he's not afraid to discipline us in public. Some of us think, well, the world shouldn't see. They should just see us getting blessed, not having stuff taken away from us and falling on hard times. Well, no, if you made a bunch of bad decisions that led to the hard times, God's more than willing to let the world see he disciplines those he loves. You made bad decisions. Here's the consequences, and you're on your own. And you're, well, where's everybody who loves you? Doesn't the church take care of you? Yes. In fact, my Father in heaven takes care of of us, but he disciplines those he loves. There's consequences. And I'm in this situation because I earned it. And all I got to do is repent. All I got to do is repent. Hebrews 12, 6, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. But in all of this, conviction, suffering, consequences... God is going to use to prune those who are his. Notice this pruning is done to those who are producing fruit. So don't think, well, maybe this is just a time of pruning. Well, if they've never been following the Lord, if they have no desire to follow the Lord, they may say it, but they don't do it. Maybe it's not pruning. Maybe they're not abiding. Maybe they're not a branch. Because here, notice this pruning is done to those who are producing fruit. He produces, verse 2 says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He doesn't prune a dead branch. So now it's like, well, wow, I, I thought if I were growing and producing fruit, God would lay off of me and get onto those others who aren't doing anything. That's not true. If you're producing fruit, he's very interested in you and he's going to cause more fruit. Produce a little, work real hard to produce this one. Look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing, Lord. (gasps) That was mine, I did that. I know, it wasn't mine. You worked hard and there was a little fruitfulness. But that's not where I want the fruit. And so he prunes so the fruit can be channeled, directed to what he wants. But hey, 
Don't think that that's bad. It's better to produce fruit and be pruned and, and tended to by the Lord than not. Because what does he do with the branches that produce no fruit? Verse 5. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Okay, spank me as you see fit, Lord. Okay, trim away. Better to know I'm loved by the Lord, even though it can hurt at times, than to just be cast off. Not be tended to. No fruit means no abiding. Means being cast out. And the Father not tending to you means there's no relationship and the end of all that is no good. So the believer bears fruit naturally over time. There's so much more to learn from today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. So be sure to stay tuned for the next part of Pastor Troy's message. Building on the Solid Rock is the radio teaching ministry of Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel Solid Rock in San Antonio, Texas. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our weekly services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. for a time of worship and learning from the Word of God. You can also come by on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for our in-depth Bible study. Learn more about the church and find directions at our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That website again is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We hope to see you there. Now, here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. She is connected to Christ, cared for by the Father, and finally, you bear fruit because you are consistent over time. Over time. Sometimes it's over time that you finally see what is and isn't true. Some can walk with the Lord for a period of time and then just kind of go, eh. It's great when it was new. Verse 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Jesus was upstairs at this time talking to 12 disciples in the beginning at the Passover meal. 11 of them were abiding. One was not and would not be there. In fact, would go away and bring those who would arrest Christ. They would actually be on the other side opposing Christ. Looked like one, but wasn't one. A distinguishing mark of a true believer or a true disciple is that they continue. That's the idea of abiding. Not all perfectly. There are seasons of not much fruit or not much fruitfulness, but they're always abiding. I've even known individuals who are angry at God wouldn't deny him. We're angry at him. And they produced no fruit because of where their heart was at. And whether or not they were actually abiding or not would be seen in whether they actually turned their back and never said, I'm sorry to the Lord or not. We don't know. I know one thing. When someone isn't acting like they're abiding best to treat them like they're not. They need Jesus. 
So there's this ongoing consistency over time that causes fruitfulness to happen. Some follow Christ when it's the new thing in their lives. You see them and they begin to make certain changes. They're excited, a good message, and they go, I need to do this, and they live, and everyone loves them, rallies around them, and they're there, and it's like kumbaya, you know? Loving life, and they're loving the church, and they're loving, and they're the new person, and people call them, and they're not, and and so it's good. But once things become routine, and they're no longer the, the new person, but now it's their turn to turn and welcome other people, well, what about me? What about me? They didn't call me. They didn't do, what about me? I don't know if I like this church anymore. And so there are some, when they're the new thing, they're following. They're all in. They're excited. But when that fades, when the things become routine, it's no longer new. And the challenges come. Over time, they move on. And they move on in a couple of different ways. One, some go from church to church. At the new church, they can be the new person. I like this church. They're all welcoming me and hugging me again, and I like it. And some, they're, I don't want to talk about my previous church. I was hurt. I don't want to talk about them because, you know, I'm a godly person. But let's just say they didn't welcome me anymore. They weren't all that friendly. Some, they don't care. They'll go like, oh, let me tell you about my last church. But they move on. Another church, another church, another place. And I just got to always be the, the new person. I got to see new things. It's, it's too mundane, too routine. It's, well, we were really, pastor said, we need those who are in and work. I said, I, I didn't come to church for that. So there are those who go from church to church. There are others who are just in and out of the same church. You know, they get the phone calls. I haven't been there. Oh, yeah, we're doing okay. And then they're back. And then, oh, yeah, we're, oh, yeah, well, we had this and we did this. And then no one's talking to them and I'll eh, fade away. Hey, where you at? Well, here I am. And, and it's this constant, you know, where you at? We're here. And then they, no one called me. That's because it's the 15th cycle. You know, no one called you because we want to see if you're actually just going to be gone. You know, maybe you need to switch from the in and out of church person to the church to church person. You know, maybe you got to go to another one. And maybe you'll stay in there. See, over time, you find out what someone's all about. Scripture says that there are some, their sins are like, like before them. It's obvious. But others, you don't see until much later. You don't see the trends, the, the habits, the things until much later. Before you see fruit, you have to be abiding. And then when abiding happens, that's a born again experience. You're abiding in Christ. Now fruit happens. Then more fruit happens as we're pruned and tended to by the Father who guarantees we're going to be tended to and pruned. And then much fruit happens when we're consistent over time. Consistent over time. This is when people begin to count on you and look to you. Now you're there. You're a staple. They go, all right, now. Now we can count on you. You see, over time we grow. And our perspective matures over time. Some people go from the new thing to the new thing, but it's consistency that causes the much fruit to happen. Parents, they don't keep swapping kids, do they? I got this set of kids, but man, I've had them for two years. They're not even potty trained. Can I get a refund? Can I exchange these kids? 
I want smarter ones. And so let's get rid of them. Let's get some other ones. We parent and we pour into and we work and we hope and we go, what are, what's wrong with them? And then we see ourselves and we go, my goodness, I need to change so I can influence them. And we grow so we can pour in, but it's consistency. Parents don't swap kids. They're consistent with them. Those who become excellent at what they do don't keep hopping jobs. They excel in this job. And if you've ever spent time with an abiding saint who's at the end of his or her race and they're facing the prospect of eternity very soon, it is humbling to see their stability and confidence in the face of death. It's amazing. When we don't even want to talk about death, they're like, you know what? It is a part of life and one that God has prepared me for all these years. And it is just humbling. But it's consistency. Alexander McLaren said, Christian progress does not consist in seeing new things, but in seeing the old things more clearly. The same Christ, the same cross, only more distinctly and apprehended and more closely incorporated into my very being. See, it's, it's over time that the same truths, we don't need more new truths, more new things, We need to see the same truths more clearly. And there is a consistency needed for that to happen. See, because it's not about the things I'm doing. It's about who I am. Now, when we are producing the fruit that comes naturally and who we are is changing, then what we do begins to change also. Then there is action and activity. And this is very important for the Christian also. That we do the things God wants us to do because it is part of the whole process of teaching us. And and like dross that is drawn up, it turns up the fire around us and the heat and the difficulties and the challenge level so that all the impurities, all the things, the laziness, the selfishness, the anger, all of those things are drawn up and can be surfaced so it can be taken away and shown and and thrown away. And this is why we need to do. We don't do to show people we have fruit. They already see the fruit in our lives, in our conduct, in in who we are. But who we are starts to cause us to do. John Boykin, in an article in Christianity Today, and let me close with this, says... Many Christians feel more comfortable with the idea that apart from Christ, they can do nothing than they do with the other side of that coin, that they can do all things through him who strengthens them. See, I can do nothing lets me off the hook. I can do all things makes me wonder why I am not doing anything. It's easier to piddle around wondering whether it's God's will that you rent this apartment or that one than it is to face up to God's ultimate will for you, that you become conformed to the image of of his son. Are you connected? Are you abiding? Are you close to Christ? Are you allowing him? Is he producing fruit in you naturally? And where are those areas that are sort of draining and sucking dry where there is no fruitfulness at all, though I wish I could produce fruit? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Look at those areas because I think they may be demanding too much of your time and attention and talent. Let God prune those away 
The worldly ones that produce nothing, let him prune those away too so that he can focus you on those areas he wants you to be and grow and serve so that he can challenge you and produce fruitfulness that others around you can actually benefit from and enjoy. Those individuals want to see the fruit. They want the fruit. They want to enjoy it. And God wants to produce it in you. Not in someone else, in you. That's all we have time for today on Building on the Solid Rock. Next time, Pastor Troy Neely will teach again in the book of John as he goes verse by verse and chapter by chapter through this gospel book. If this series has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love to hear from our listeners about their experience with this ministry. Let us know if you have any questions about our radio program. In addition to hearing encouraging messages on the radio, it's important to be involved in a local church. If you live in or are visiting the San Antonio area, come visit Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. You'll find service times on our church website. Just follow the link from buildingonthesolidrock.com. If you're unable to be there in person, join us online. That's all for today. Be sure to tune in again for more from the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come